Hello and welcome to the Top Story, a podcast with headlines of the day from our correspondents around the world. I'm Tian Yu. Coming up in this edition, the four-day truce between Israel and Hamas is coming to an end. China is calling for joint efforts to restart negotiations on a trilateral free trade agreement in East Asia. And regional tensions over water are high in Spain due to heat waves and droughts. We start with the latest developments in the Palestine-Israel conflict. The four-day truce between Israel and Hamas entered its final day on Monday. Hamas says it is seeking to extend the truce if serious efforts are made by Israel to release more Palestinian detainees. Israel says the ceasefire could be extended if Hamas continues to release at least 10 hostages a day. Sam Manik reports from Jerusalem. 17 hostages were released from Gaza Sunday evening. They included 14 Israelis as well as three foreign nationals. Among them was the first American to be released, a four-year-old girl. There was also a Russian-Israeli dual citizen who was released. Hamas said that they were doing that because they appreciated Moscow's position during this war. Now, this is the first man to be let out since this, this deal began. So far, it has just been women and children. One of the elderly women who was released on Saturday was in very critical condition. She was taken directly to a hospital. The staff there said that she was the way she was because she was an elderly person who hadn't properly been taken care of. Now, in addition to this, there's also 39 Palestinian prisoners, which is part of the deal. They were released on Sunday as well. They will return largely to the West Bank and to East Jerusalem. A lot of the Palestinian prisoners who are being released were held by Israel for minor offenses, such as throwing stones or disturbing the public order. Now, this comes after a very touch-and-go day on Saturday where it was unclear if the deal was going to go ahead. Hamas delayed releasing the hostages, accusing Israel of not abiding by the terms of the agreement. It said that Israel hadn't let enough aid into Gaza, 50% less than it said it would. It also said that Israel wasn't releasing enough veteran Palestinian prisoners during the first batch. Qatar and Egypt stepped in, and the deal was able to go ahead. Now, most of these hostages are in hospitals within Israel receiving first aid, first psychological first aid, as well as any treatment that they need and reuniting with their families. Little information has come out. The families haven't spoken that much, but there is some information starting to come out about what their time was like in captivity. One family who had three relatives released on Friday said that they told her that Hamas fed them irregularly. Some of them lost weight. One of them had to sleep in a makeshift bed, putting together two chairs, and that they had to wait in line for hours in order to use the bathroom. Hamas has said on Sunday for the first time that it is open to extending the deal. Israel has also said it's open to it, but it hasn't clearly definitively decided if it's going to go ahead or not. What we know is that there's a lot of international pressure right now, specifically from Qatar and the United States, for this deal to be extended. Speaking to CNN on Sunday, National Security Advisor for the U.S., Jake Sullivan, said that the ball is in Hamas's court. What that means is that for each additional day that there is no fighting, Hamas would have to release 10 hostages. Qatar's prime minister also spoke to CBS in an interview on Sunday saying he hopes the deal is extended. He said Hamas has to find the women and children, see how many they are, but that likely none of this is really going to happen until the fourth day, which is Monday. Even if it is extended for several days, Israel has made it very clear that they are going to continue this war. They say that this is just a pause. On Sunday, Israel's Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu went into Gaza. He spoke to the troops. He said they were going to do everything to get all of the hostages back, but they were also going to fight until they had victory.
Until this truce, Israel had ramped up its attacks on Gaza. And on Sunday, Israel and Hamas both confirmed that a top Hamas commander was killed. He is the, top, the commander of northern Gaza. And as far as we know, he's the top Hamas militant to be killed so far in this fighting. Israel had tried several times over the years to kill him. Also on Sunday, Israel said that in addition to this commander, three other top commanders had been killed before the truce began. That was Semetnik reporting. Over the weekend, many stranded Palestinians seized upon the truce to cross from Egypt into the Gaza Strip, eager to reunite with their families and friends. However, conditions remain harsh for many. Yasser Hakim has more from the Rafa border crossing in Egypt. Behind me now are the Palestinians who are stranded in Egypt uh, once the uh, broke fighting broke out and they want to go back to Gaza. This is something special. Usually in the case of war and atrocities like we've seen and the bombings, people try to escape or to evacuate. On the contrary, hundreds of Palestinians rushed to the Rafah border when they were told they could return to Gaza during the truce. There are about 2,500 of us in Al-Arish. They all want to return, even in these circumstances. It's more dignified for us to die with our children there. He says they're going back because they won't allow Israel to displace them from their homeland. This group was in Egypt when the conflict erupted, leaving loved ones behind. I was here for surgery after I was shot in my leg by an Israeli soldier, but the fighting broke out so I stayed. I've been in Egypt for 60 days. There was a previously failed attempt to cross the border. We came to the border before, stamped the papers, and were ready to enter Gaza. But Israel bombed the border and we had to go back. The Gazans have been hosted by the Egyptian government in houses at the nearby Arish city. So the Palestinians here are ready and waiting to cross the border just beside us. And they know that they might not last inside Gaza for two or three days alive because the bombing has not differentiated between militants, women, children or elderly. As Omar leads the way into Gaza, he yearns to reunite with his wife and baby daughter. I'm so happy I'm going back. Thank God. My whole family is there, but I lost all contact with them. It's a dark journey back for Omar, not knowing if his loved ones will be there to greet him or maybe they're buried under the rubble of the stricken Gaza city. That was Yasser Hakim reporting. Turning to Asia, Chinese Foreign Minister Wang Yi has called on China, Japan and South Korea to play a more proactive role in promoting regional and global development. He made the remarks as the foreign ministers of the three countries met in Busan, South Korea. Wang stressed that the three sides should focus on mutual benefit and win-win results, restart negotiations on a trilateral free trade agreement, and push for a free trade area of the Asia-Pacific. South Korea's Park Jin and Japan's Yoko Kamikawa spoke highly of the progress made in trilateral cooperation and expressed willingness for more substantive cooperation in various fields. The three sides agreed to create conditions for the China-Japan-South Korea leaders' meeting. Jack Barton has more. A weekend in Busan, marked by two days of bilateral meetings between the foreign ministers of China, South Korea and Japan, all culminating in a meeting of all three neighboring nations with a consensus to restore and normalize three-way cooperation to be furthered through a trilateral leaders' summit. These meetings were last held in late 2019 before being 
suspended due to deteriorating relations between Tokyo and Seoul, followed by the COVID-19 pandemic. China's foreign minister said despite the pause, all three had managed to deepen cooperation on issues ranging from the signing of a major regional trade deal to managing the pandemic. This reflects that the cooperation between the three countries has a deep foundation, strong demand, huge potential and broad prospects. Wang added that China, Japan and South Korea should play an active role in promoting regional and global development. Japan's foreign minister said she believed the trilateral cooperation greatly contributes to peace and prosperity, even at a time of many unprecedented challenges. Pyongyang's recent military satellite launch and cooperation with Russia was also discussed at the meeting. Park said the three ministers agreed to continue communication to help resolve the current tensions on the peninsula. That was Jack Barton in Busan. In China, the National Health Commission has responded to concerns over the recent surge in respiratory illnesses. It's feared the winter season could make the situation more severe as temperatures fall. Wang Mengjie has details from Beijing. Since mid-October, China has seen an uptick in seasonal respiratory diseases, especially among children. Pediatric hospitals are grappling with a record number of patients, prompting the Health Commission to issue guidelines for managing the surge. The Commission has directed localities to implement stratified care, enhancing the capabilities of grassroots facilities. Mild cases in children are encouraged to seek treatment at community clinics or under pediatricians at general hospitals. An expert highlights the vulnerability of elderly people to respiratory illnesses in winter, saying the reason is usually underlying disease. Vaccinations are the most important measure for the elderly against respiratory diseases. The elderly also need to pay more attention to temperature variations and humidity changes at home. Li also emphasized the importance of managing underlying diseases and maintaining a healthy lifestyle for the elderly. To beef up containment measures for the possible cases in the coming month, health officials stressed to use different sources of data as a part of the efforts to strengthen monitoring of and early warning against contagious diseases, while personal protection measures should be reinforced and vaccination campaigns targeting the elderly, people with pre-existing diseases and children should be intensified. That was Wang Mengjie reporting. Finally, in Europe, Heat waves, droughts, and dried up reservoirs are causing regional tensions over water in Spain. One province is providing a way forward by recycling almost 100% of its wastewater from surrounding towns and cities. Ken Brownie takes a closer look in the province of Murcia. They call it the Murcian miracle. This Spanish province may have the most arid land on the continent, but it's also known as the Garden of Europe a leading producer of EU fruit and vegetables. It's a paradox made possible with water transfers from wetter regions and the reuse of water on a vast scale. Murcia gets more than 300 days of sun a year, making water a scarce and precious resource. That's why 98% of water is repurposed for agriculture. 
Here at Torre de Cotillas, the recycling plant helps fill huge reservoirs equivalent to 128 Olympic-sized swimming pools. The water is destined for surrounding farms, the quality constantly checked, and it's also become something of a sanctuary for some endangered species of birds. The water provides a lifeline in Spain's bone-dry Mediterranean southeast. Here, the agriculture industry employs around 100,000 people and is worth over 3 billion US dollars a year. Local farmer Jesus Rojo grows lemons, peaches, apricots and much more on land made arable by water transferred from other parts of Spain and recycled water. This would all be desert as far as the eye can see. Not even the olive trees would grow without us watering the land. It doesn't rain here at all. The plants only grow using water that we've brought in from somewhere else, such as the water treatment plants. Climate change, drought, heat waves and dramatically reduced rainfall mean three quarters of Spain is at risk from desertification. Water pressures and tensions are growing. The treatment plants are mini-oases providing 15% of Murcia's agricultural demands and are much cheaper than seawater desalination plants. In May, the Spanish government doubled down on water reuse, releasing $1.5 billion to build new infrastructure. Now, foreign interest is flowing in too. Delegations from Australia to Argentina have visited the Esomor facilities in Murcia. New scarcity is teaching the world the true value of fresh water. Using and reusing it better is vital to keep it flowing in the future. That was Ken Brownie in Murcia, Spain. Recapping today's headlines. The four-day truce between Israel and Hamas is coming to an end. China is calling for joint efforts to restart negotiations on a trilateral free trade agreement in East Asia. And regional tensions over water are high in Spain due to heat waves and droughts. And that's it for this edition of The Top Story, a podcast that brings you world headlines every weekday. For more news in politics, business, sports, and culture, you can subscribe to The Beijing Hour, a one-hour podcast news magazine program. We welcome and appreciate all ratings and reviews. I'm Tian Yu. Thank you for listening.